Welcome to Beyond the Pen, the podcast that delves into the untold stories of emerging authors and the literary world. I'm your host, Maccabee Griffin, and each week I'll be shining a spotlight on talented yet undiscovered authors, giving them a platform to share their incredible stories and unique journeys that brought them to the world of writing. In each episode, we'll deep dive into the story behind the story, exploring the inspirations, challenges, and triumphs that have shaped our guests' literary careers, and have some fun along the way. From the initial spark of an idea to the journey of crafting and publishing their books, we'll uncover the secrets that make their stories truly special. But that's not all. Once a month, we'll be joined by an expert from the publishing world who will share invaluable insights and advice for aspiring writers, answering your burning questions, and demystifying the path to success in the literary industry. At Beyond the Pen, my mission is simple, to entertain, educate, and encourage the next generation of great storytellers. So whether you're a writer, an avid reader, or simply someone with a passion for storytelling, Join us as we venture beyond the pen and celebrate the power of the written word. Hello, everybody. We are back. We are here. We are live with Miss Chelsea, myself, and one of the most successful men in the business world, Mr. Jeff Hoffman. Now, for those who don't know the name, Mr. Jeff Hoffman is well known for a wide variety of different things within the business world. He is a serial entrepreneur. He has started and sold multiple businesses, uh, but I think most people would know him for Priceline.com, um, which for most of us, that's like the go-to for any traveling. Absolutely. Like I, I book all of my trips through Priceline. Like you, this is not like a spiel, but like you genuinely get the right prices. And as somebody who travels once or twice a month, like that's amazing. I did not know he was that person when we were initially discussing this. And I'm like, well, sir, hello. <laughs> I've given you a lot of business. <laughs> I have helped to give you the life that you already had, but more. <laughs> right. Exactly. So one of the books that we're going to be talking about with him, because in the previous episode, for all those who haven't heard, you need to go back and listen to it. We have had this conversation where a lot of things have been changing around here at Beyond the Pen, but also we want to make sure that we're giving you exactly what you want right at the beginning. Almost everything. So a couple of things we're going to be talking to this gentleman with because of his success in the business world is to see how we can develop that into you as an author or you as a publisher and develop that scaling phase that you need for your business. Because again, as we've always said, once you write a book, you're starting a brand, you're starting to create a business. So some of the things that we're going to really talk about is like, why are you doing it? What is that foundational um, key elements that you need to start on that road to success? Not understanding, obviously, that you're going to have some bumps and bruises as you go along, but it's going to make it a little bit easier for you. Another thing we're going to be talking about is monetization, because everybody knows when you start writing something, 
that's what you want to do. You want the money that comes with it. You put in the time. How dare you, sir? Authors work for free. <laughs> Only in your world do they work free. <laughs> but well, hurts. it does hurt. It does, unfortunately. And that one of the things I was talking to him earlier about before I bring him on is that there's a line that he said that really hit home for me when it comes to the publishing world. And again, we'll, we'll get to it in a way is that you are, you are building a business, not a job. And the world doesn't pay you for the hours you put in. It pays you for the value you create. So understanding that you're giving value to us by writing these intellectual property per se this book these images these worlds that you're developing is important and you should be given the money for that because you put the time into it, you put the effort into it you need to be able to you know live you know some of us haven't had the opportunity to uh, marry up per se to be able to sit down and don't give me that look. I'm not talking about you. I was going to say, are we trying to slight? Is this what we're doing first thing in the morning, Mac? Like, I feel like we're not even, I wasn't prepared for war today. Oh, no, 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 no. No shade, no nothing towards <laughs> you. Uh-uh, no, no. You worked hard. You you did and everything you did. But I also- You worked hard. Of course. You Man, dad, nobody. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody. Nobody helped you out at all. But here's the other thing also that we're going to be talking about too is- we're going to be talking about time management because that's another thing that plays a key is very critical to what you are doing before, during, and after. And of course, this is the guy to go to, to help you with all of this. So without further ado, cause I know I've talked a lot and not allowed Chelsea to talk, but she's going to get her, her questions in. <laughs> She'll get all of her questions. I promise. Ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, the legend himself, Mr. Jeff Hoffman. Motion detected at the front door. Look at that. That was perfect entrance. I could not have timed that better. It was well-timed. Oh, my gosh. Mr. Hoffman, thank you again for being on the show. We appreciate it. Thank you guys for having me today. So one of the things we love to do is obviously, you know, please introduce yourself to everybody because sometimes, you know, they know the name or they know the face, but they don't know exactly everything that you've done. Because again, you've got a lot of success out there. You've worked extremely hard for it, but please, could you introduce yourself to our listeners and, you know, give us something that maybe we can't find about you uh, without obviously going directly to you. <laughs> I have to think about that part of it, but uh, I am a longtime tech entrepreneur building uh, products Probably the main industry for me was travel and hospitality, but the reason why, you know, this was because I grew up in a little desert town with a single mom that literally nobody ever left. All the people I grew up with are still in the same sort of five square mile area, and I'm not judging them, that's fine, but I had big dreams and big goals, and I wanted to see the world, and growing up, people would say, dude, you're broke and your mom's broker. You're not going anywhere. Just go get a job. That should make it less surprising that my, you know, I started travel companies. Uh, my first startup ever, I'm a software engineer by trade, but I found out as soon as I hired some that I actually sucked at it because they asked me to stop helping them, my own employees. 
said, can you go do something else? I was like, uh, it's my company. And they're like, yeah, you're slowing us down. So it turns out I was a marketing guy, even though I have a software engineering degree, but our, our first product ever, uh, when you go to an airport and you check yourself in at those kiosks, the self-check-in kiosk, that was my first invention. I was 20-something years old. I was unemployed. I was broke. I missed a flight, which is painful when you have no money because I had to wait an hour and a half almost to check in with a human. I went home upset, and that Friday, I just took out a pencil and piece of paper and said, there's got to be a way I can check myself in. And uh, fortunately, uh, those kiosks are now in pretty much every airport in the world. So our first startup was successful. I learned a lot about how to grow a business because I never done anything prior to that. Um, and I've been doing that ever since. Our, our obviously, we've had some failures for sure, like everybody, but our big success is uh, Priceline.com, and thank you guys for your business, and Booking.com, which is the same company. If you've used Booking, that's also the same company. I later did uh, another tech startup called Ubid.com, which we were one of the largest auction sites uh, on the entire internet. We also uh, did an IPO um, and took that one public as well. I took a break from tech. I love music and creative people. And I wanted to exercise the right side of my brain, not just the left side in business. Started a music company. We did tours and concert production. But the almost funny part was we did produce one album of our own. It was a jazz album. As crazy as it sounds, we won a Grammy uh, for best jazz album, which in a million years I never would have predicted. Uh, it's nothing like a software engineer on the red carpet at the Grammys um, after we won. So that was a moment. Went out to L.A. and lived out there for a couple of years because I wanted to learn about filmmaking. But it was more about being around creative people to see how they create. Uh, so we made some movies, which we actually got in theaters. Uh, and then after that, started a television company. And last year, uh, I got my second Emmy Award for television production. And now, just very quickly, all my focus is on uh, our really our, our my pledge to giving back. Our we have several nonprofits. I have a youth charity called World Youth Horizons, and then we have a a big nonprofit called the Global Entrepreneurship Network. Uh, we are actually this still blows me away. We're on the ground in 200 countries, but with one simple task: teach anyone anywhere how to start and scale a business. Uh, that's what we do. That's our nonprofit now. So. So what I got from that is the only thing that you haven't tried to do is solve world hunger, <laughs> create world peace, and rescue all of the animals. <laughs> I think that's the only three things that I caught that you have. I would yet. definitely go for the animals. I was raised an animal lover by the mom that went and picked up every stray creature of any kind and brought it to our house. <laughs> but we do believe, Chelsea, that the people that will solve the world's biggest problems are not governments and they're not corporations, they're entrepreneurs. So a lot of the entrepreneurs that we start, mentor and fund are trying to feed the world uh, because we just believe innovators, you know, uh, innovators like that are uh, the ones with no rules. And ultimately, it's that old saying that uh, the people crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones that are actually going to do it. We just help them do it. He is actively trying to solve world hunger. We are so. trying. Okay, well, the third one I would say, he hasn't found the cure for cancer yet. <laughs> so he's probably working on that too. Entrepreneurs somewhere to are. If we'll find him, we'll try to help him. We'll send you a list every year of the one thing you haven't done yet. <laughs> and then and then you could just check that off. Just check it off. There you go. I want to get into this real quick because, you know, 
first off, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule for this. I know you just got back from your uh, trip to Japan and you got a little bit of that, uh, that travel sleepiness yeah. on you. Yeah, there you go. That you? word. <laughs> I'll, I'll get my words out at least <laughs> once here. I promise you. So you co-authored a book called Scale. And this, this book is not like any other one. And you told me this earlier, but I'm glad I wanted to ask you again so that we could record it too, is that uh, you wrote this with Mr. David Finkel. Is it Finkel? Yeah, Finkel. Sorry. You got it. I want to make sure I'm, it's like not disrespecting his last name here. Okay. Uh, But you guys shared a frustration with the existing uh, business books that are talking about scaling companies and uh, things of that. Now, specifically that uh, too many told readers what to do, but didn't have the details on how to do what to do. Could you explain what sets scale apart from these other entrepreneurial publications, other that have the same theme or same name per se? Yeah, I I think you got it exactly right. Uh, People were, I I would hear all the time that, uh, you know, that people would read a book that said, here's what you need to do. And they're like, okay, that's great. But how do I do that? I don't even know the first step. So we decided specifically to write a very practical how-to guide. I mean, there's literally like workbook pages in the book. We start each chapter by telling you the thing you need to do, but then the whole focus of the chapter is how do I actually do that? What do I do first? What do I do second? And, you know, for me specifically, I think I'm not a writer, I'm an engineer, but that actually came in handy in the book part. And that's where David and I were a good team because he is a writer. He'd written eight books already before that. I'd written zero. My engineering focus is very step by step, right? That's how you do engineering. So I am able to lay things out. Once we tell you here's what to do, my, again, my engineering background is, okay, step one, little, you know, pick up the screwdriver in your right hand, pick up the screw in your left hand, put it in the slot, right? Turn it clock, whatever it is. That's what we focused on. Let's tell them how to do this step-by-step step with a workbook where they can record their process and where they can actually get stuff done. And so the best thing is when we get comments on the book, where people said I, it was actionable. That's my favorite thing. Your book was actionable. I didn't, it just didn't leave me knowing what. It actually helped me get started and step-by-step step go through the process. That was our goal. That was one thing that I found fascinating is because Max, right? There are, and you know, Jeff, you are too. There are so many books. Everybody wants to help everybody, right? And it's super easy to be like, hey, all you have to do is the following three steps, but nobody wants to guide you on, okay, but how do I even start step one? And I think that was one thing that you guys did a great job at is like, you were like, okay, so here's how we're going to get to step one. And then here's how we're going to get to step two. And I think that's why it's been so helpful and so successful with so many people trying to start their own businesses and do all of those different things is because you actually help. It's not just for funsies. It's not just for, you know, to say that I've done something, but you're actively trying to help people and it comes through in what you guys have done. Well, thank you, Chelsea. That, that's been a, uh, that was a commitment I made. Uh, after the last company, the day that I said, uh, I'm done being a CEO, I've been a CEO since I was 24. You know, by choosing the path of entrepreneurship, um, I've been very blessed uh, to sort of live a life I never imagined. And I felt like I owe a debt to that. And the debt is, uh, you need to help other people get there. Other people get where you are. I'll tell you guys a quick story. On the red carpet at the Grammys, we won a red Grammy. I, I mean, we won the Grammy and I was on the red carpet. 
Um, somebody actually said to me, uh, the paparazzi, which was insane enough, how do you feel right now? And I remember saying, this is the dream of software engineers everywhere. And they're like, what? And I was like, never mind. People are yelling at me. What the hell are you talking about? But I was standing there looking down and it felt like my feet weren't touching the ground because of the natural high of we just freaking won a Grammy, right? But I remember thinking to myself, I can't believe this is my life. And so I came up with this concept that I call red carpet moments, which are my, my give back goal was to help everybody that I can help have their red carpet moment. The definition of that, nothing to do with red carpets or awards, is to get you to a spot where you look at your life and say, I can't believe this is my life. That is the goal that I set out to do. And so the book is part of that. Building a successful and profitable business is one of the ways you get to a life that you never dreamed was possible. And so that's why we wrote a book to help people get there so everybody could get to whatever their red carpet moment is. Get to a spot where you say, wow, I can't believe this is my life. I posted on my social media the other day, your business should be the vehicle that takes you to the life you want to live, not the obstacle that's preventing you from living it. That's that we literally wrote the book to help people do that. I think that's great. I mean, as, as we spoke in our, uh, me and Mac in our previous episode, we were talking about the definition of success and how it's different for everybody. What advice do you have for people that are trying to figure out what is their definition of success? Because of course, everybody wants to, you know, as an author, you want a book or a movie deal or you want a sure. movie deal or TV shows. But what about, what is your advice for people creating realistic, successful goals? Yeah, I, I think that's a great question because the, the most unhappy people that I meet are the ones that can never seem to get there. And I answer that question, Chelsea, by telling people, you need to figure out exactly how big of a boat you need. And, and I'll tell you guys the story really quickly. I had my first mentor ever in business, and his goal was to be successful enough to buy like a bigger boat than anybody he knows. Whatever, that was his goal. His definition of success was buying a boat, but that his boat is bigger than everybody else's that he knows. And along the way, I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but his child committed suicide because of the lack of attention from his father, who was always only doing business. His wife divorced him, his friends left him. And one day he called me and said, meet me in the port in Miami. Um, he said, why, I did it. I have the biggest boat of anybody, I want you to see it. I didn't even wanna go, it was so distasteful. But he's like, was I there for you way back when? I said, yes, he said, return the favor. So I went and got on this guy's boat and he's like, see, I did it. I, I have the biggest boat of anybody. And I was like, you lost everyone and everything. How is this worth it? But the moment, I do have to tell you, the story had a divine intervention. I said, can you please take me back to the port? I, you know, I was just disgusted. I, I want to go. And when we got to the port, uh, the clouds, it suddenly got dark. And I was like, wow, we just missed a storm. It's a good thing I made you take me back. But in my head, I was like, how is there a storm when there's no clouds? I haven't seen a cloud all day. And so the moment happened. He and I both turned around to look at the clouds and there were no clouds. The whole sky went dark because behind us, a boat twice our size pulled up so big it blotted out the sun. I love it. I burst out laughing and he said, get off the boat, I have to go back to work. So I got <laughs> off the boat and I got in the, the Uber and I said to myself, how big of a boat do you need? So that is my question to every listener. How big of a boat do you need? What is actually gonna make you happy? If you don't know that, you will never stop and you will never be happy. So I tell people all the time, what is your boat, 
right? One guy said to me, if I sell my company now, I can get X dollars. But if I sell it, <laughs> if I wait five years, I can get 5X. And if I wait 10 years, and I was like, and in those five years, what else could happen, right? What could go wrong? Another COVID, another 9-11, somebody in your family gets cancer. What will actually make you happy right now? I had, I, I, so my answer to your question, I realized that was a long answer, Chelsea, is I asked people, what life can you envision that you would nod and say, this is a good life, I'm really happy right now. And that isn't just money and success, that's your relationships, right? If I had asked this guy in hindsight, he would have said, my child was happy and still alive, my wife still loved me, my friends still hung out with me. If he had written that down in the first place, he would have guided himself to an outcome where his definition of success would have been the result. Instead of letting society tell you what success is, and instead of being judged by other people's standards, sit down and imagine your life in the future and say, if my life looked like this, that's my success, and then build towards that. Most people get to a part, they look back and they say, wow, uh, I, 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 the cost of this was way greater than I thought because I didn't think about it in advance. That's a really good question. I'm so glad you asked that. I'm, I'm so <laughs> glad you did too because, man, that is... What can I say? I do have strokes of genius every <laughs> once in a while. Yeah. Uh, but that works perfectly with, we were talking about time management before, yeah. and that story is exactly it, is how do you figure out, let's say now we figured out what size boat we want, right? How do we figure out how to do that without compromising our personal relationships? So two parts to that. Um, uh, let me ask the first part just about time management, and then <clears throat> the second part more about the relationships and the rest of your life. Um, time management, I have a tendency to lay out three-year time windows, not things that are gonna take my whole life to achieve. What can I achieve in the next few years? And based on that, I, I put a goal for every one year. So on, on January 1, I wanna know what I want December 31 to look like. What do I want to get done? What is important to me this year? And so every single morning when you wake up, you have a to-do list of 20 things on it. Step one is free yourself from that prison and realize you will never get them done. So stop expecting yourself to be superwoman that's going to do everything on your list. You're not. So that's the first thing is, is to just let go. And so I realize I'll never do all the stuff that I want to do. So what I do each, and I do this every morning when I start, I pull up that list of 20 things, right? And I say to myself, I look at that one thing that's on the wall. What is it was most important for me to achieve this year? What was my growth or, or success goal for this year? And then I look at the list every morning and I say, of the 20 things I could do today, which of these things most helps me achieve this year's goal? Uh, a dumb example. If I wanted to get a skilled in international business, then every day I'd pick up my list and I'd say, which of these things is going to help me get closer to my goal of becoming an international business person? And I just do that one thing that day. And if I finish that and start on number two, I don't finish number two tomorrow. I pick up the list again and I resort it every day. Of the things I could spend my time on today, which thing is gonna get the ball farthest down the field towards the end zone I'm shooting for? And so I reprioritize my day every day to focus on getting done this year what I wanted to do with this year. Now, that's the first part. The second part of your question though, and by the way, that's why guys, when, when people say you've gotten a lot of stuff done in your life, it's because even when I fail, I fail really fast because I'm looking at that list and I'm saying, this isn't getting me where I was going, so I'm just going to stop doing it. The hardest thing I could, 
the problem I have with entrepreneurs and small business owners is getting them to let go of the thing that isn't working because it's not getting you there. And, and people say, well, I don't want to be a quitter. You know what's worse than quitting? Waking up six years later and realizing you should have quit five years ago because it wasn't working. So that's why I look at that list. And if I'm not getting there, I stop doing that thing and I get over it. I just let it, everybody makes fun of you. I thought your brilliant idea, Jeff, was going to work. I was like, I was wrong. You guys are right. I'm an idiot. I didn't know what I was doing. Just get over it. Let people make fun of you and move on to the next. But the second part, Chelsea, you asked about the relationship side of it. That's why I said you got to write out your, your, your boat includes a lot of things. It includes you sitting down. And I do this visually. I write down, I ask myself, what should my relationships look like? Here's a real example. I need to spend more time with my father. What does that mean? If I don't spend at least, if I don't go on three little fun trips with my dad this year, then that's, then I haven't, that's not my boat. My boat includes three weekends with my father that we both take off, go to Las Vegas. He likes to go there and spend the weekend together. That's part of my boat. What about your friends? If I don't spend X amount of time with my friends, I'm not a good friend. So you're writing all those things out so that you're balancing them. And at different times, you look at that list and you say, okay, I did a good job of international business this month, but I did zero with my friends. So for this next month, all those things have to be part of your balance. And the truth is balance is a myth. A myth. You're never going to get it right. So stop trying to be perfect. There's no, I'll give this example. There's no woman that's going to be the perfect wife, the perfect mother, the perfect CEO, the perfect whatever. So why are you holding yourself to that standard? So good, it turns out that good enough is pretty damn good. If you say, I'm a pretty good friend, that's good enough. I don't have to be the perfect friend. I might miss somebody's birthday once and apologize like hell, but I'm going to get to as many things as I can. You might cancel date night with your, your significant other because you did have an international business thing comes up, but then you're going to work really hard to make up for it. Do the best you can by specifically looking at all those dials and gauges and, and asking yourself, how am I doing across the board? So I try to do the best I can, knowing that I'll never get it exactly right. But if everybody knows you're giving it your best, you're in pretty good shape. I think it's solid answers all around. Like, I, no comment. Like, what every author loves to hear is, like, no comment. <laughs> yeah. I look at it this way. I, I'm right there with you, uh, Jeff, is the fact that if God said it's good, guess what? Good is yeah. good. Yeah, good is it's, good. It's very simple. It's very simple. I completely agree. People are out there trying to live up to some standard they saw from someone on social media that probably wasn't true anyway, whatever. They're trying to live up to something that they got in their head that's never going to happen. It's not even important. And you're you're stressing yourself out trying to be something you think everyone else wants you to be. Oh, my gosh. This is uh, there's so many freaking gems of wisdom in this it's not even funny i don't even know where to go to sometimes with this stuff when he oh man god is good just have jeff's corner where <laughs> jeff comes this week and just gives us a little tidbit of like wisdom to share with everyone i don't know if i have enough money in the bank to actually be able to <laughs> block out his time to do that but you know what i'm gonna try that's for <laughs> sure so let me ask you this because of literally all of that wisdom that you just downpoured upon us. One of the things that we're always looking at is that, like you said before, it's about the relationships. It's about time management and understanding 
where to go with this. How do you take that using your level three roadmap? Can, can you take that and use it in a way that a that would help an author understand how they need to set up their goals? Yeah, you know, you you I'm glad you pointed that out because that's sort of why I think that themes in really well to the question that Chelsea asked as well about everything else, relationships and the overall balance. And to the what thing I told you earlier about your business should be taking you somewhere, not preventing you from going somewhere. And that's what level three is all about, right? Some people are so busy living inside of their business that they're missing the whole rest of their life. We want your business, whatever you do, including writing, right? If, if writing is your business and you're an author, it's the same goal. You can't be so buried inside your manuscript that the rest of your life falls apart around you. So that's what the level three is. Achieving level three is getting to the point where you have controlled and contained and planned your business part of your life, your tasks and your work so it doesn't own you, so that you're not a prisoner of this manuscript or this company that you started. That it is designed, that you're designing your life in a way that your work is part of your life, but it is not your entire life. And so that's the, the thing we have when we talk about that with business owners, because they're literally captives of their business and it, it's damaging the whole rest of their life. Uh, it's because they're not designing a business, they're not organizing their time and designing a business to run itself in a lot of ways. That's why we focus a lot on team. Who is your team? And what do they do? And are you actually delegating things to people and trusting the fact that there are actually people? A lot of times business owners are like, nobody knows this better than me. You know that old saying, if you want something done right, do it yourself. That's about the stupid advice, stupidest advice you could ever give somebody. Because that's why people ruin all their relationships. I got to do this and I got to do that. I'm so important, right? No one's going to do it like me. No one knows it like me. In fact, you're right that no one's going to do it like me because Chelsea might actually do it better. She might have a smarter idea than mine. And freedom comes when you let go. And when you say, other people, I need to rely on other people to do their part on my team. Again, that might be an editor. You know, that might be your co-author, whatever it is. It's trusting other people, letting go. And, and not putting yourself in the middle where everything has to go through you. So that's what level three is. I don't live every day for my business. I'm part of it, but it's not all dependent on me. So what about those people that you discussed before, the ones that are trying so hard to make something work that isn't working, whether it's a, a business idea or a manuscript, and they're just holding on to it too tightly, and they maybe they don't quite know how to let go. So what advice would you have for those people? The one that I hear all the time, this is on the fiction side. People tell me, I'm holding in my hand the greatest story ever written. And I say, and what is this novel? And they say, it's my life. And I have to say, only your mother will buy this book. No one else actually cares. I hear this one a lot. And the same thing with movie scripts. This is the greatest movie they'll ever be. And I was like, what's it about? And a lot of times it's, it's my story. And they're so sure that the entire world wants to hear their story. And in fact, like I said, maybe their mom does, maybe not. The, the answer to your question is get out of your chair, get away from your computer, go out in the world and find out if anybody else is at. This doesn't just apply to a story. It applies to a product. 
in a company. So the reason people don't let go is because they're blinded by their own brilliance. They're 100% convinced that everybody wants to read this book. And what they've never done, so the normal process is, I'll write this book, I'll push it out in the world, and then I'll find out if anybody actually wanted to read it. And if they did, if they even liked it. The proper process is to go out in the world, get away from your keyboard, go out in the world and ask 200 people, if there was a book about this, would you read it? Why would you read it? What would, what would attract you to it? What was interesting about it? The same thing with the product. Before you launch this company and build a product, you go out in the world and say, if I built this, dumb example, if you didn't have to, if it would be me to go to an airport, which I actually did. And I went to the airport before starting the company. And I said, if there was a kiosk right here, it looked like an ATM and you could check yourself into a flight and it would spit out a boarding pass. Would you use that? And of course they said yes. That's question one. If there was a story about a young kid in the desert and this happened and that, does that sound like an interesting book you would read? So they said yes. But then in my case, I had to ask the second question. I said, if I charged you, you know, an ATM charges you $3 to use it, which is insane because you're saving the bank a fortune. They don't have to have another branch and another teller. But I was asking people, if I charged you two bucks to get your boarding pass, that was my original plan, would you pay it? And it was only when people said, yes, I would use your kiosk, and yes, I would pay $2 to skip the line. That doesn't happen in your office. That happens out in the world asking people, do you like my idea? Would you read my book? And when you've asked 200 people to smooth out the errors, right? And the, the people that said, the first person I asked when we made our first movie, was we made this scary movie called Cabin Fever. And the first person I asked- Did you really? That movie haunted That was me. our first film. Um, I, you'll actually, if you watch it again, you'll see them kill me in the movie. That was you! I was wondering about that. <laughs> yeah, so I asked somebody, a young kid, uh, I asked it, I mentioned the movie, not that I produced it or anything, I just mentioned the movie. And he said, I, that movie was horrible, don't watch it. And I walked away feeling horrible. That's my movie, I made that. And then I turned around and I walked back and I said, what horror flicks do you like? And he said, none. I hate every scary movie and no one should be out allowed to make them. And I was like, thank God I did not take that data point because it's irrelevant. So you have to ask 200 people, not one person that says, I think your book idea is dumb. After 200 people, then decide whether to write the book. So that's my answer is you have to get out of your chair, go into the world and find out if anybody but you thinks it's a good idea before you spend years doing it and then finding out no one liked your idea god my god my god <laughs> if you haven't picked up any of these gems of wisdom you're missing out and the person behind you is going to pick up every single piece and create a whole different vault specifically for that mr hoffman jeff if i may be so bold to say this thank you for being on your on the show we appreciate you so much before you go we have to ask a few questions just to get to know you a little bit better so while you were sitting down and writing this or writing your uh plans for your businesses whatever the case may be what is your weakness when it comes to your writing for me it winds up being the flow i get stuck on the logical flow and i'll be like wait maybe i should have said that first and then we'll talk about this that's my kryptonite is I write the whole thing and I was like, geez, that was the wrong order. Now I got to go back. Paragraph one, that concept should have been first. And then that makes 
The second concept not makes sense, so I need to move that down. So my thing is the order of, of ideas and events in a book, um, I struggle with it. And I'm trying to think about how you, the reader, um, how will you will process what I'm writing when you read it. And that's why I need it to logically to flow. And I get stuck on that a lot. I was like, did that make sense when I started talking about that from the thing I was talking about in the chapter before or are the chapters out of order? So I reorder stuff a lot of times before I feel good about it. Okay, second question. Is there a quote, a song, a person in your life that inspires you to continue writing or just being the coolest man that I've ever met in my well, life? Well, really, really, there's all of the above. There are most definitely uh, people that inspire me, uh, uh, you know, a lot of different people um, in a lot of different ways. You know, I would say the, the biggest hero is still mom uh, because my mom's like five feet tall. This little tiny woman right, with her three jobs, four kids, her against the world, and she never backed down uh, from anything ever. And my mom was the one that if we were driving, this is a real story, we're driving the car and she witnessed a social injustice and this little tiny woman made a U-turn, marched right into the middle of this and demanded people apologize to each other. I was like, mom, you're gonna get your ass kicked. <laughs> These people are gonna literally beat you up. And she's like, then, then, then let them, but I ain't backing down. So the inspiration of, just do, right? Talking about stuff. Talk is cheap. People that walk the walk inspire me. So when I have an idea, talking about it forever, or I could make a U-turn, get out of the car and just actually go do that thing. So definitely people. There's definitely quotes. But I will tell you the author, not the quotes, Mark Twain. Mark Twain is a quote machine. And there were so many things that Mark Twain wrote that I would sit there and say, okay, that guy was, he's talking to me. That makes total sense to me. So there are quotes that inspire me. I have a lot of, actually, I have a Mark Twain quote right here. This is, well, I'll see if I can get it in the camp. Darn, specifically relevant to authors. Anyway, I'll tell you what it says. This is the Mark Twain quote where he said, P.S., I would have written you a shorter letter if only I'd had more time. Have you ever heard that quote? I, I remember that from being in like middle school yeah. or like the early years in high school. Yeah, so that that's a, a driving quote for me. Right, because it, I, I love that. Right, it's so counterintuitive. I would have written you a much shorter letter if I'd had more time. Um, organizing your thoughts and getting to the point. Uh, so that's a quote that definitely drives me, especially in writing. I'll look at my own writing and say, "What were you actually trying to say? Did you really need all those words to say that? You could cut out half the words." So yeah, those inspirations drive me. And finally, if there, it has to be finally, <laughs> uh, I'm still just struck with a lot of the stuff you've already said. What is next for Mr. Jeff Hoffman? Thinking about that, your question is particularly timely. I've been really thinking about that hard. Right now, I'm super focused on our charity work. Our, in our youth organization, we do everything from building homes for, for orphans to building schools uh, to paying for kids to go to school. Uh, we have a lot of focus. We do it all over the world. Helping, putting children that who have no chance at a better life in a position to have a better life, that's super important to me as is our nonprofit teaching people how to start. We're not, it's not about business or money. We're teaching people how to become independent. And that's what we're doing in 200 countries. Whatever idea you have will help you turn it into a business so that you're not dependent. If you think for an example, Mac, of, you know, I've visited every Muslim country, Muslim women that were not allowed to leave their home were not allowed to get a job and not had access to money. You know what we did? We started teaching them how to create an online business sitting at home. So one day they just, 
have a bank account and they get up and say, bye-bye, I don't need any of you anymore. I have my own business, my own independence, and I can pay my own bills. So we're teaching people how to achieve independence through business. That's still super important to me. But I will throw one thing out there because I've been thinking about it forever, which is someday I'd actually like to write fiction. And it would be based on the stories of the 200 countries we work in. I've been to well over 100 of them. And so there's been a lot of inspirational stories from not me, from people I've met in all these countries all over the world that kind of inspire turning their stories into fiction, but in a way that it would inspire you by the accomplishments of these people. Nothing to do with me. It's amazing people that I look at. And I was like, how on earth did she do that where she lives? Um, I'd love to turn some of those stories into stories that might inspire other people. That's probably the next thing on my list. Guys, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I appreciate you inviting me. It's been awesome. You're easy to talk to. You have amazing advice that doesn't sound, for lack of a better word, like condescending. So that's always a great thing. That is definitely true. Thank you again for saying yes to this, because again, it was very quick when I, I asked him at VCon back in May about this. And he's like, yeah, sure. Just bring me on. I'm like, ah. <laughs> yes, thank you. Mac, we got to get you better at meeting people. I know, I know. No, we got to get you better. He did. That's what we, it was great. That's why we're here. And thank you again for asking. It's amazing. One of my friends, I don't know if you know Mark Victor Hansen. He wrote the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Uh, Mark, just his most recent book that Mark wrote is called Just Ask. Uh, and so he and I laugh about that because some of the most amazing things that happened in the world was because somebody just asked. People were like, how'd you get so-and-so to do such and such? And the answer sometimes is, um, I asked her. What's the worst that's going right. to happen? Somebody's going to say no? Like, okay, so then you, thanks for your time and go on yep, to the next But you person. know what people do, Chelsea, is they answer for them. They're like, she'd, ne uh, she'd never true. say yes, so they just never ask. Well, I just found Max Christmas present. <laughs> I got a lot of a lot of things on that list. I'll, I'll send it to you. Uh, my gosh, thank you again, Jeff, for being on. We appreciate you so much. Thanks again, guys. Hey, folks, that's a wrap for this episode of Beyond the Pen. We hope you enjoyed listening as much as we enjoyed creating it. If you'd like to stay connected and up to date with everything Beyond the Pen, follow us on Twitter at Beyond the Pen Pod and Instagram at Beyond the Pen Podcast. For even more content and exclusive access to our guest profiles and more, make sure to visit our website at beyondthepenpodcast.com. Don't forget to join our Facebook fan page to interact with our favorite authors and fellow fans of the show. And if you want to take your Beyond the Pen experience to the next level, check out our selection of video interviews on Traverse TV's video on demand and live stream. You can access these interviews through your Roku, Amazon Fire, Apple TV, Google Play, iTunes, or the Traverse TV app. So until next time, thanks again for tuning in and remember to keep writing inspiring and sharing as you go beyond the pen. <laughs>